Hello, my friends, and welcome to season three of the Geeked Out Collecting Podcast, where we apply financial and investing principles to our favorite hobby collectibles like Pokemon, Magic the Gathering, comic books, Fortnite cards, you name it, we talk about it all. Thank you so much for being here. I am your host, Jess. So let's get started with collecting things that we love like damn adults. Here's today's episode. This episode is brought to you by my wonderful patrons. Thank you so much to my patrons. They make this podcast possible and also very fun to do because we are able to interact on a private discord where we can talk, discuss topics, and just in general help each other collect the things that we want. So thank you so much to everyone who participates there. I couldn't appreciate you more. This episode is also brought to you by myself. If you haven't already heard, I've been working on a passion project called Cardfolio. It's going to be an app that'll let you scan your cards onto your phone and add them to your virtual binder. Your virtual binder allows you to keep track of not only what you own, but you'll also be able to keep track of what you need. Are you chasing a shadowless master set? If so, Cardfolio will be able to help you keep track of your progress towards your goal so that it makes it easier to achieve it. Cardfolio doesn't just catalog your collection and manage your collecting goals, it will also allow you to see your collection like an actual investment portfolio. This means you'll be able to see how much your collection is worth, how that value has changed over time, and how your collection value breaks down by item type. For example, how much do you have in raw cards versus slab cards versus sealed items? If all of this sounds like an app you would like to download, then join my early access waiting list. I'll keep you updated with app progress, mockups, and when it's available, early beta access. So it'll be fun and it'll be great. The link for the early access waiting list will be in the description below. So go ahead and sign up if that's something that you're interested in. What's up everyone, it's your host Jess and I am here to bring you another episode. I was so excited to have Jay on, Jay from No Scotch Tape and it was really great to talk to him because we pretty much talk a bit about the current state of the collectibles, Pokemon, what we see from our perspectives. We also talk a little bit too about, you know, collecting versus speculating, which, you know, some of us sit on one end or the other or in the middle. And I think for Jay and I, we kind of sit a little bit closer to the collector side of it, though, of course, we don't demonize the speculation because we kind of a little bit do that. But anyways, it was really interesting to get his perspective because we collect in a lot of the similar ways where we are more collectors rather than like actual investor speculators. And, you know, a lot of the times I do bring on people who are more savvy in, in that particular bit of the space but it was nice to also uh, talk a little bit too from a collector perspective of course we also talk a, a bit about a few other collectible categories like star wars and things like that you know me i'm always getting nerdy but anyways um that's just a little bit of what we talked about i really like this interview with jay it was really nice to you know again speak with him on all these things so anyways i hope you enjoy it thank you so much for being here and help me welcome jay Oh, 
conversations on um, Instagram. And honestly, some of the takes that you put on your story have been really entertaining. I, I definitely agree with a lot of them. Yeah. Uh, which is why I wanted to bring you on because I felt like your perspective would be really interesting. So first off, I guess what I wanted to do for everyone who isn't, uh, you know, aware of you or maybe, you know, know you from Instagram, but if you could really quickly just kind of give us a little bit about you and how you are as a collector, what you collect, then we can get started. Uh, okay. So uh, first off, thank you for having me uh, on the show. Um, I really appreciate it. And um, actually, I, I, I think... Uh, I, I, so I, uh, travel a lot by car a lot and, um, uh, I've discovered your podcast, uh, I think on, on one road trip and like time just seemed to fly by whenever I listened to it just because, you know, it had all this useful information. Um, so thank you again. Uh, I really appreciate being on the show. Um, and in terms of myself, uh, again, as you said before, my name's Jay, uh, to those of you who are listening. Um, and, uh, I've. I have my IG is uh, no scotch tape. Uh, I, I they could see that right on the on the screen. Yeah, um, they they should be able to see your okay. your handle right there. So my IG is no scotch tape, and I've been collecting for quite a while. I think in the mid '90s, uh, and in terms of collecting, I've collected quite a, a bit of sort of every other category. Um, I started out back then in mainly sports cards, and then over the past few years. Um, video games, uh, Pokemon cards, Yu-Gi-Oh, um, comics, which has been uh, a big thing of mine over the past couple months. Uh, and then um, I think I think that about because of it. Oh, yeah, and uh, some toy figures. Um, so in terms of my background, I have um, – that's the collecting background. Uh, professionally, I uh, work in finance uh, within the Bay Area in California. Um, so – yeah, uh, as as you said before, a lot of the things that you had seen on my page, um, I just sort of, you know, I've saw that big boom over the past year or so, and being a collector first and foremost, and also someone who, who has seen sort of the the finance side of things, um, it was interesting, uh, just because you have, I guess, so many different uh, factors playing into the year that was twenty twenty four the collecting side um, so yeah that's just a brief intro um about myself um i love pokemon uh i love like a lot of like uh really niche items um as you've probably seen my from my ig and so yeah i i yeah that's pretty that's much it that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, that that's really awesome. I like how you started with sports cards in the 90s when it was yeah. kind of like the worst time yeah, yeah. to collect sports cards in the 90s. Um, that That's really cool. Were you only collecting like baseball or or basketball or football? It was kind of uh, uh, just a mixture. I remember like um, getting packs with my brother and my dad at uh, like the local Walmart and there'd be like rows and rows of or uh sort of peggings of like sports card packs. And then uh, I think as that started to down down in like the mid 2000s, I sort of phased out of that and sort of, you know, focus on Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was, it was, I think it was more of the, the thrill of opening packs rather than what it is today of like, Oh, let's keep them sealed. Let's, let's spec on them. Um, let's sort of quote unquote invest in it. Uh, so 
yeah, it was, it was definitely a rough time. A lot of junk wax. I still have, actually, I was on a road trip uh, this past week because I was hoping my parents move out here. And uh, I was actually able to get, like, uh, look through my old things in my room. And we had, like, tons and tons of 90s sports cards. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, like, sorting through right now. And I'm like, wow, you know, it, it definitely lends a perspective on on back then to today. Um, which is is always interesting when you look at it in the long term. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Do, do you think, um, you know, because you remember collecting around that time, does a little bit of modern remind you of that time where we, we see so many, so much printing, so much reprinting, and now with these new sets, I think because they have more printers now, that the that the print sizes will be even bigger than what they were before. I think. Um... <laughs> Uh, so uh, when I was hoping my parents move, this is actually an interesting question because when I was hoping my parents move, we drove all the way from uh, the south uh, through Texas, through Arizona. And I was thinking about that because uh, the, the modern day sports card uh, in, environment, it's like the perfect storm because you literally have uh, uh, hundreds of thousands of people, unfortunately, losing their jobs in 2020. You mm -hmm. have... Um, I would say influencers sort of speaking about it on YouTube or their other mediums. And then you have uh, sort of this, this, this fear of, you know, how are we going to produce income? And then that's when sports cards sort of and Pokemon and other collectibles starts to take the forefront. Um, in terms of today, I think it's much different because the power of social media, uh, because you can like, like obviously back then there was dial up internet, you know, <laughs> yeah because of the phone you lost your internet connection but now today it's like uh at the a tweet or whatever the price of a card can go up or down uh astronomically or exponentially um and so today i think there's there's a lot more uh focus and attention on collectibles in general which is a good thing um but in terms of today compared to 90s sports cards i think it's a little bit different um just because you have that role of social media um you have that role of you know there there is a demand uh of it but i think the main question is whether or not that demand holds you know mm -hmm. yeah yeah that, that's something that i've talked to a number of people about and so i know everyone has a little bit of differing opinions just because you know like what what you've you said with COVID, it's kind of um, triggered, a, you know, a chain reaction of things where people are losing their jobs, losing their homes, you know, very unfortunate things. And so with the secondary market and people, you know, kind of inserting themselves in between, you know, like the primary customer and the brand or, you know, the retail product, you know, kind of inserting themselves in between and, you know, us seeing those prices go up and now even seeing those prices on um, sealed product go up even on the distributor side now. I mean, the, yeah. there's there's new MSRPs that are kind of hitting the market now because, you know, everywhere down the chain, the price is kind of starting to go up. So it, it's been really interesting to watch all of that just 
happen in real time <laughs> really is, is what we're seeing. Um, and it's really interesting too, and really not surprising what we're seeing right now with the market um, and, and the activity, the, the, the activity level right now. Would you say that right now we're in a little bit of a bearish market? I would feel uh, that that is the case based off of what I've seen. Um, I think, and it's it's funny because you know I I work uh, remote right now, and for the, for the past year actually since the pandemic started, and so sometimes I'll have like um, uh, alpha investments like playing in the background yes. or like uh, <laughs> fake or uh, or um, Squeaks Game World like playing in mm -hmm. the background. And I'll always get their takes. And I feel like like it's it's when you're paying like four hundred dollars for a PSA ten bowl bowl rookie uh, for basketball. Um, I feel like that's a little bit of bubble um, in its sense. So there's all these little bubbles over the past year, but I think overall we're entering a bearish market just because I'm not going to repeat like what other YouTubers have said. We're we're going into almost the end of the pandemic, hopefully. Um, a lot of people they need that disposable that disposable income. Um, they're going to turn to their collectibles that um, they saw as more of a spec rather than they would truly love it. And like, if you'd rather have a card or food on the table, they're going to choose you know, <laughs> food, obviously. Um, so I think in some respects we are in a bearish market, uh, but. Uh, in terms of like how how long that will last, I, I'm not sure. Um, mm -hmm. I, 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 like if I if I could say that just because I I didn't predict 20 how 2020 would end up in terms of collectibles, um, but I feel like like the true collectible items will always hold long term value, um, and they'll experience a dip now, but in the long term, it's it's kind of like the S and P 500. It will mm -hmm. generally go up. Uh, over time which is mm -hmm. you know i don't think a lot of people can see that or have that ability to zoom out and see that perspective yeah yeah absolutely and and i i definitely agree with you i think collectibles have the opportunity to grow over time 100 percent. you know especially as you know younger generations age up and then they start to have incomes just what happened with our generation you know we've kind of driven the market to go up um in in a lot of the sense because now we're able to afford the things that we couldn't when we were kids yeah, yeah. so that, that totally makes sense the one thing that kind of worries me and i don't know whether you agree or disagree um you know but i'd love your perspective on it uh one of the things that kind of worries me and, and of course it's hard to do it's hard to find like the cap on a particular item like for a particular card for example right um so you know, finding where you might be overpaying versus wow. like underpaying for something because, you know, of course you don't want to, you know, especially with some of the prices last year. I mean, a lot of slabs are only going to get so high over time, yeah. <laughs> you know? And so if you, you know, if people buy too high, like for example, I mean, I did that before. I mean, I've done that. I've done that. So, so you know, learning from those mistakes and, and trying to be, you know, and read the market in a more full way so that you don't get caught in those kinds of situations. I, I feel like a lot of people with FOMO and with, you know, following these trends, they kind of get themselves caught in these situations where they may not actually 
ROI or even break even on items, you know? Yeah, yeah that's that's actually a, a big discussion point um, just because uh, I've, I've actually, uh, I was out with friends yesterday. We watched the, uh, the Oakland A's versus uh, Giants game uh, down in uh, uh, San Francisco. And they were talking about the housing market and they're saying how um, obviously it's a, real estate is, is, is stable, but a lot of people are overpaying on mm-hmm. homes. Um, and I feel like that's the same thing where, like, if we look at the collectibles market in 2020, um, a lot of people were overpaying because they were buying into this uh, emotion of, you know, FOMO, fear of missing out. And so that's a dangerous game because when you, like, 2020 was an emotional year for uh, a majority of the world. Um, and so when you have a, a motion and then you also have like money, that's a, that's a bad thing, you know? Um, so when, uh, when you're talking about like, Oh, um, trying to find out like, uh, am I overpaying for something or am I underpaying? Usually what I do is I, I look at, um, the auction prices, uh, for that specific item, because unless like it's, unless there's like a uh, fraudulent activity, like shill bidding, auction prices usually tell like the best uh, demand, true demand for an item. Um, and overall though, like I'll, I'll also look at populations like uh, PSA populations for a card, or I think just in general, the rarity, like how hard it is to pull um, the specific condition of the card. Like if it's a PSA five compared to a PSA 10, um, like I, I feel like anything that's, like for a specific example, any current Pokemon set, um, I'm sort of, unless I truly love the card, I'll hold off on purchasing um, just because, you know, you don't know whether or not that PSA flood, uh, it's going to like, it, I think I think it's solely being released right now, but you mm-hmm. don't know whether or not like somebody's just going to dump all their inventory on, on eBay or another marketplace. Um, so it's it's just a matter of taking all of those factors into account. Um, you know, the auction prices, uh, was it just based off of a tweet that some influencer uh, uh, tweeted out? Um, just a, a couple of things. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more because, I mean, you know, one thing that you mentioned that, that stands out to me is that PSA flood. Yeah. And, and, and what's funny about that is that PSA isn't the only one that's going to flood the market, CDC as well. I mean, um, I, I believe Squeaks uh, was the one that mentioned that the reason why we saw that kind of drop, you know, in November uh, for, for some sectors of the market uh, last year was because CGC cards started hitting the market. And I know that there are collectors out there that are just sitting on hundreds of slabs that they that they literally don't even have time to put up on ebay (laughs) it would be on ebay but but they just haven't had time to put those slabs up so you know it's it's definitely coming and i mean not to mention bgs as well i you know i don't know how much of their um you know how much tcg wise was actually sent to bgs versus like sports and stuff like that but but yeah i mean i mean it in my opinion, you know, slabs and single cards are crazy risky right now. Yeah, um, that, that's the thing because um, I see a lot too on a lot of, I follow a lot of uh, IG accounts um, and you could tell like they're solely, they're either doing like a, a, a raffle um, where mm-hmm. they're like, 
dumping off their first edition PSA six or seven <laughs> or eight cards. Um, you rarely see like a PSA ten unless it's like in a high raffle. But it's it's like monitoring that little market. It, it's sort of interesting because sooner or later, um, everything's going to be graded, and so the only <laughs> thing that's going to be valuable is um, PSA ten cards or PSA nine cards, depending on age. And then obviously, if if uh, if it's like an extremely old card, then obviously if it's just graded like PSA one to to eight, like it, it'll it'll hold value. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I definitely agree. There's there's definitely a flood, but I feel like I feel like we're not going to receive it in like a massive like unleashing of a gate. I feel mm-hmm. like it's already occurring, but it's like a slow like uh, like you just turn the faucet on, you know, mm-hmm. and it's just running, um, and it's just slowly getting eaten up by the market. But sooner or later, like uh, <laughs> I'm probably gonna throw out so many analogies at you. Uh, just like, you know, I have, like, big on analogies. But uh-huh. sooner or later, like, the sinks starting to get, like, slowly rise with all those PSA cards and graded cards. Um, and all the other, I guess, other grading card companies that have appeared within the past, like, six months, which is really funny. Um, like, <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, you know, y- you've said and kind of alluded to... Uh, uh, so, so I have a question for you, and you've kind of alluded to the answer already, but I was wondering if you could, um, you know, just give us your opinion on it. But, but with the risk that's coming with, you know, slab cards and and investing in those cards or collecting in those cards, what do collectors have to do in order to mitigate that risk so that they can hopefully, you know, grow their collection in the future? What do new collectors have to do? in terms of like collecting slabs in particular? Yeah, yeah, just, uh, you know, what what should they do to mitigate their risk if they want to collect the things that they want, but also they want to make sure that they see that growth um, over time? Um, I feel like uh, you have to take into account, <laughs> I saw it somewhere where you have to take into account, obviously the the rarity of the card, which is number one, the condition mm-hmm. of the card, um, and know that uh, even way before that, you have to set sort of a goals, like write it down on terms of like what card do you want to collect, what set do you want to collect, um, and then what's your overarching goal. If your overarching goal is I like Pikachu and I want to collect, say, for example, uh, mind if I pull out one of the cards? Hell yeah. Um, <laughs> um, you know, if we're going to do a, like a demo of this. But like one of my favorite cards uh, that I was glad I was able to pick up before 2020 was uh, if you can see it the oh can you even see that uh, uh yeah no. yeah oh this is the screen yeah. Pikachu <laughs> yeah the screen Pikachu in PSA 10 um but like such I a good knew, buy yeah I knew that I loved this card um I picked it up uh, it was well worth it obviously the price has skyrocketed but you have to set that end goal. Because with the amount of cards that are out there for Pokemon or any other genre, and the amount of sets that are released almost every, for Pokemon, it's every quarter. For sports cards, it's almost like every two, three weeks, uh, I'd say. Um, you have to set that end goal. Because if you don't, what you're end up gonna, what's end up going to happening is you're going to go in all these different directions. So number one, set a goal of 
you know, what do you want to collect? Because I, what I see is a lot of like uh, new collectors. I don't know if they're even collectors or not, or if they're like going to a retail store and like just wanting to flip, but they're going out and they're just trying to buy everything, which mm-hmm. is like the, the wrong thing to do. You have to mainly treat it as as sort of um, an extension of yourself. Um, if your end goal is to make money off of it, like that, that's fine. Uh, but if you want to uh, sort of build something over the long term, which all collections, all great collections are, um, you really have to set those goals and uh, of what set and what uh, cards you want to collect. Uh, that, mm-hmm. That's the important thing. Uh, prices will come later, uh, but the end goal of where you're trying to get to, that's the most important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I couldn't I couldn't agree more with you because especially if you do have a little bit of disposable income, um, and and I fall in this into this as well when I first started getting back into collecting and like having all of this adult money and not knowing what to do with it with you know with these cards and these collectibles just in general, yeah. but you know sometimes you can really fall into um, you know like. Um, just you know spontaneous buying yeah yeah <laughs> and you're just like ah i gotta get it right now yeah. um you know target, you know because that, that's that's trouble for me oh oh yeah oh yeah absolutely <laughs> i mean if you can find <laughs> if you could find boxes there i mean definitely easier a few years ago like i remember seeing hidden fates everywhere sun and moon yeah. everywhere you know steam yeah. siege uh all of those sets and now you can't freaking find them anywhere anywhere yeah yeah, i remember like when i first um like moved into the the bay area like there would be like hidden fates like tins or the super premium (laughs) like basic figure on the Mm -hmm. shelf and i would just like oh that that's kind of cool and all that yeah i'd like slowly start to collect the the set and then i think about four months five months later it was like it's gone like a barren shelf you know which is oh yeah I remember, you know, the stuff was sitting on the shelf, not moving, not going anywhere. And Target was putting shit on sale, you know, $34.99. I think yeah. I got my Sun and Moon uh, ETB for $34.99 or $24.99. And now yeah. the thing is up to like 120 or something. I can't remember. It's been a few weeks since I've looked at Shining, it. I remember the Shining Legends ETB was $34.99 yep. at Target. And mm-hmm. I remember I placed an order for three of them. And I was like, it it's probably one of the most underrated sets i was like why it's like it was like sitting on the shelf at target whatever and uh like collecting dust yeah now it's like uh probably one of the the uh best sets to to get at the moment Mm -hmm. yeah it's so crazy because you know even for me even someone who's not really into modern cards not that they're not cool not that they're not awesome. I mean, I think they've done a lot of very impressive things uh, when it comes to the design and the texture of the cards. You know, I love it. I think it's really cool. I just I just don't have that heart behind it because, you know, these, um, you know, the, I, I didn't play these games. I didn't grow up with these Pokemon. So they're kind of not very interesting to me. But, but even still, I honestly got really lucky with that because I'm like, okay, well, it's on sale. I can buy one and it won't hurt me. Come on, it's $35. Let's go. <laughs> you know, it I won't hurt me. Now. You know, I don't have to move the lawn anymore uh, <laughs> to, to fund my, my cards and all that. Um, but yeah, I mean, those were the good old days. Uh, late 2019, I uh, was right before it picked up. And then 2020 happened and 
uh, almost, it was like a, a gold rush, you know, <laughs> you know Seriously. trying to find, find cards. Um, oh my gosh. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like, like I was at Target uh, last week and there was like, uh, you know, Chilling Rain was on the shelf, oh. uh, which, which seems to be the, the flavor of the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's like a new flavor of the month uh, for Pokemon now. Um, it was Battle Styles, now Chilling Rain, now Evolving Skies. And um, it's kind of funny with, with that whole Battle Styles, Chilling Rain effect uh, in modern Pokemon cards. You know, mm-hmm. and how like you could, you could find those on the shelf just because of of the management of 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 people uh there's like they can't keep up it's like uh that show i don't know if you've seen that clip i love lucy where oh, she's yeah. like, trying to do the cupcake stuff mm-hmm. and then like, a the new, yeah yeah the cupcake back that famous clip there's like a new set every every week or every month and like people who are either collectors or they're they're, they're scalpers they can't like they can't control it all and sooner <laughs> later, it's just gonna end in chaos you know and that's why i've stayed away from Yu-Gi-Oh because yeah. i i never really watched the show never really got into it but knowing how often those sets come out holy <laughs> crap and yeah. then knowing which ones to put money behind and knowing yeah. which cards to put money behind and keeping up with that oof, i know people people have warned me against uh Yu-Gi-Oh. i'm sure it's fun and and hey if you collect Yu-Gi-Oh, go you but i'm not ready to put in all that work yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I I think I don't collect Yu-Gi-Oh as much as I did before, um, just because like that's just a personal thing. I, I mainly have the cards and collect the cards from when I was younger. Um, but yeah, the amount of reprints that they have in the sets, and then I guess the game has changed so much since I last played. Um, it was just I, I can't keep up with everything, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but yeah, it's 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 to teach their own. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, agreed. I'm not about to, I've always been the kind of person that I'm not about to tell anyone like, oh, you're collecting wrong. I mean, maybe they're overspending on their collection, you know, but what people collect is their business. So, (laughs) so that definitely for sure. But, um, so we, we've already covered a lot of really great topics. Um, are there other things you're kind of seeing in the market that you that you find interesting, that you find shocking, um, unexpected, that you think people should be aware about? That's that's like the the loaded question of my weekend. <laughs> um, no, I, I I definitely feel like um, like we, we we've already touched about the bear market. Like people are are wanting to sell, um, and I'm. It's actually funny that you mentioned that because I'm planning on attending two shows in the area, uh, two car shows, mainly sports and Pokemon. Uh, because I, I, I'm not looking to buy, but mainly looking to see how many people are actually selling, you know, mm-hmm. like dumping, because that's a big market. Um, but in terms of that, I feel like, I feel like, as predicted, uh, there is going to be sort of a lag in people um, sort of paying exorbitant prices for items, uh, but still like things that, that are rare, that hold value, that have high demand. They are going to hold, and I get that a lot of people have lost money on like, say for example, uh, I heard about like a, somebody paying a lot of money on an MJ rookie, a Michael Jordan mm-hmm. rookie, and then it tanks in value, or like a LeBron James rookie and it tanks in value. Over time, a lot of people, what will help you is you have to realize the long term picture. Uh, 
you know, yeah, if if you've lost all that value in purchasing the card to where uh, it's valued today, um, that hurts. But it's ultimately sort of like a, a small dip within a large time frame. Um, so yeah, that's number one. We're in a bearish market. But number two, uh, sort of, you have to strategize on, on what to do in, in, in that sense. Um, basically, you know, sort of, I guess, trimming your collection, um, that's always a good thing. Your collection isn't always uh, static. You know, it, it can be dynamic based off of, you know, how you feel about a certain item and all that. Make, it can be hard to let go of things, uh, but I've found that it's, it's like, it's an extension of yourself, your collection, which is uh, the most important thing. You know, because if if you don't like something, you're if you're holding on to something, just because uh, an influencer said, "Oh, it's it may or may not." I, I love this. It it may or may not go up in value. I don't I don't, I don't know. Um, well, then you know, maybe put that into something else. Um, and I think one big factor is if if you have an item that you paid a lot of money for, and then you're debating on whether or not to sell it. Uh, just ask yourself, if you had the money from that sale right now, would you buy that item uh, for that price? Or would you put it into something else? That's like the one of the big questions. Um, because I, I, I think a lot of people wouldn't keep most of the stuff they have uh, in terms that they picked up over the past, past year, uh, which is kind of frightening uh, with the amount of uh, graded cards yeah. and, and uh, seal items there are uh but it's also you know you have to you have to ask like the big big picture questions uh, because a lot of people are, are reacting with really small small uh small uh chain of events so to speak agreed agreed um yeah honestly and 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 for me i can't even think or manage on a short term i mean there's just too many moving pieces you know yeah. I, like like for me personally I, I don't think i could be like a, a flipper flipper where they're just short-term gain short-term game short-term game you know here here or there like I, I don't think i could handle the stress it feels like day trading it mm. sounds like day trading to me and and like this. yeah <laughs> and i mean in all honesty you know i just don't think it's it's worth it like you know for me when i buy stuff I really cannot buy to speculate. Yeah, I will consider speculation, but at the end of the day, it still has to be something that I actually want, that I actually care about. I, I, I can't, I, I don't know. I don't know if you're that kind of collector as well or not, but um, like for me, I have to have something behind it. Yeah, I, I feel like um, <laughs> there's some things where I buy it and it has no value whatsoever to anybody else. Um, like there's there's this show on my page um, that I like, I'll post every once in a while. It's called, uh, I don't know if you've seen it, Metabots. Um, it's like this really, really old show back in the early 2000s. And like, I have like uh, the sealed video games on Game Boy Advance. Uh, oh, I yeah. I saw I those. Have, like, <laughs> I nearly have like the complete, let me see. Uh, I don't think I have it with me um, or out in front of me, but like the sealed like four inch figures, whatever, like still. Oh, yeah. Nice. Uh, they probably don't have any value to any of the the wider community uh in terms of the hobby but uh just to me like that that show has value to me just because uh like like i i grew up like it's probably one of the greatest animes of all time in my opinion 
um, but mm-hmm. I, nobody else feels that way, which is fine. Um, <laughs> but I, I don't, I don't really like. I'll spec on a few things, um, but I don't take it to the extreme that I see a lot of people uh, do. Like, like I'll, I, I wouldn't want to say spec. What I'll say is I'll collect something, uh, and I have this this theory that you know it's it's going to be very hard to find or very uh, in demand in, in in the future, uh, and that's that's how I always see things. I try to look for things that are undervalued, um, just because obviously nobody wants to pay overpriced for an item, um, and nobody wants to pay like at at the the prices that are being quoted on eBay. Um, mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So I'll, I'll look at a few things, but I won't spec heavily on like everything that I own, because most of what mm-hmm. I own is like I'm taking it with me to the grave. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, but uh, in terms of specking, like it, I don't look down upon it. Like that's that's been the norm in the hobby for quite a while, uh, and that's that's another piece too. Um, a lot of people say, oh, like cards aren't about prices cards aren't about uh, it's about playing the game and I, I definitely understand that uh, I, I, I play the TCG online and all that but like when you <laughs> when, when people when people say oh it's it's not about uh, card values and all that it's uh, like you have to be realistic with your audience and you have to be realistic with yourself like yeah some of the stuff I'll, I'll I have do have value um, um, and it's it's okay to talk about the prices, uh, and yeah, I, but I won't spec to like pump and dump. That's 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 mm-hmm. one of my pet peeves uh, of those things. Yeah, yeah, I I can definitely relate to that. I think I think I'm the same way um, mm-hmm. as a collector. Um, you know, just because that that's not what we're in it for. I mean, now it's okay if someone is in it for that. I mean, like you know can't stop people doing what they're doing so you know it it is what it is but what I really like so what I really love about your collection first off you have an amazing vintage Japanese collection (laughs) in my opinion I love all of those tops on cards all of those really (laughs) cool hollow foils and 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 honestly I wish I was able to get a hold of more before the pandemic I I do have some I don't have any tops on uh, but I do have some of the the Bondi the the Bondi cards. But but what I also really love about your collection as well that I I have too, are all of the um, independent Star Wars Legends comics. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> that, that, I I love those. <laughs> so um so that's actually funny because uh, I started collecting them. And I, I I don't mean offense to anyone who's listening. I don't mean offense to to uh, you yourself. But um, another big thing that I love is uh, like film. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I watched the Rise of Skywalker and the Last Jedi with my parents, I don't think I felt more offended at like the plot and like the the direction and like the like everything. So I think out of like, and this is actually been a, this has actually been a goal from uh, way back when I was like in high school. I've always loved the Star Wars universe, but mm-hmm. I love the Dark Horse uh, Star Wars. Dark Horse comics, one hundred. Um, just because 
and and I hopefully we'll we'll reach a point where I can talk about this on on, on today's show was like there's uh, obviously there there there's been like a pent up demand for it just because people are specking on the Dark Horse Star Wars comics. Um, I don't really spec on comics just because I feel like they have an added value in that you can actually read them. Um, yeah. You can actually like get lost in those stories. Uh, and yeah, I, I absolutely adore the Dark Horse. I, one of my goals right now is to collect every series of the Dark Horse Star Wars comics, um, which is a difficult feat with how many there were printed, <laughs> how many series oh, there yeah. were. But when, mm-hmm. when I start reading some of the stories, it's like, yeah, why didn't Disney had all this all this great creative creative uh, uh, creative arcs and creative stories, and they just they kind of pick up pick up to use it in their in their uh, that last trilogy that they they had. Um, so. Yeah, I don't know yeah. how you feel about Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, that's just a little side. A side no, I, I mean, that that's kind of why I brought it up, because I really do love Star Wars. Um, yeah. I definitely have headcanon. The new trilogy does not exist to me. <laughs> <laughs> like, I didn't enjoy a single one of the movies uh, yeah. for one reason or another. Not yeah. a fan of them. Or a fan of some of the characters, though. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But um, not of the fan of the of the direction. Um, yeah. But I, I, I do. I'm, I'm the same way. I love collecting the Dark Horse comics. You yeah. know... <laughs> I haven't been keeping up with the speculation on those comics. So actually I might at some point look to see what I have. I, I don't have that many keys, um, but, but um, you know, maybe, maybe I'll get luckier. They're here or two. It's, but they're just really nice. Like I try to collect a lot of the, um, like I've been trying to find some of the key appearances, like for Revan, for Malik, yeah. you know, you've got to get like Darth Maul. Yeah. yeah yeah you know get from that era um get uh quillen voss i i love quillen voss he's such a cool one so i try to pick up some of his yeah. comics yeah, yeah. um i've been trying to collect some of the uh, kaden uh kanan last padawan um okay. and then also uh clone wars because uh, oh. i love the show that was such yeah. a good show um it was so great it actually watching that show ruined um in the Anakin character in the prequels mm, because okay. it was it was such a fleshed out Anakin that I couldn't go you know like like I didn't mind Anakin before and then I watched Clone Wars <laughs> and I'm like oh my god this Anakin is so him. awesome yeah, him. <laughs> yeah I, I mean I know those are all hot takes but <laughs> yeah, they they had like um this is now a Star Wars podcast. Um <laughs> is listening, it's now. No, but uh yeah, I mean I I could talk for like three hours or like countless hours on, on Star Wars just because <laughs> they had the material, like they lit and for those of you who have not watched it, sorry to spoil it, but they had the material like like of of Anakin, he's torn from his mother, um, you know, his mother dies. Uh, and like that leads him towards the dark side but they had like all the pieces it's just the the direction and then ultimately the the end um i just wow i, I can't even speak about the the prequels or, or the new <laughs> it's just yeah it's just yeah so- 
it, it's 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 funny it's funny because my cousins they make fun of me because well first off i will say my cousins aren't like star wars fans like i am i've liked it ever since i was like four yeah. they got into it as they got older and like star wars became more mainstream but the only star <laughs> they call me a bloomer because the only things i enjoy are like the originals mm. um but and so they're like, ah, oh, you don't like anything that's new. And and I said, well, hold up, time out. That's not true because I liked Rebels. That was very good. Yeah. I liked Clone Wars. Y'all won't watch that because it's cartoons. So tell me, tell me, tell me how I'm a boomer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I, I loved it. I I didn't care too much uh, for Mandalorian um, yeah. personally, just because I thought, oh man, people are gonna hate me for this. Uh, I thought uh, the Mandalorian character was very like boring <laughs> i just i just thought it was incredibly boring there were some very interesting moments you know uh when you saw um uh boba like when oh spoilers when boba made his appearance uh, <laughs> spoilers but but um you know i i don't know i don't know i i, I don't know I, the mandalorian for its simplicity compared to like the rise of skywalker where it's literally like a new scene every every minute, new scene every five minutes, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I definitely, I definitely uh, enjoyed it for the simplicity of, mm -hmm. of uh, the whole plot development and all that. So, um, yeah, I mean, honestly, they did a lot of good things. I, I, I mean, you know, it's not something that I can completely trash because there were a lot of good things, uh, enjoyable things, you know, to it. Um, really curious so with the so with the dark horse comics which is your favorite series Ooh, uh i'd have to say i would say twi the the twilight with quinlan boss um, oh okay i haven't read but, it but yeah but i don't have number one because it's so expensive <laughs> in, in my opinion um uh -huh. but i've read like two to four of that mm -hmm. like miniseries but i think um the Knights of the Old Republic is probably probably my favorite. I just got Heir of the Empire, uh, the complete set, um, which is probably like one of the biggest keys because it has like Thrawn and Mara Jade. For oh Spain. yeah, okay, that'll um, be a good one. But yeah, like Knights of the Old Republic, like I uh, grew up reading some of those stories and, mm -hmm. and like like watching like. Uh, or playing uh, Star Wars, Knights of the Old Republic on Xbox. KOTOR, SWOTOR. You know how old I am. Knights uh, of the uh -huh. Old Republic on Xbox. Um, but yeah, like, Knights uh, of the Old Republic is probably one of my favorites. I tied it with uh, Twilight. And uh, I actually want to, it leads me to another thing. I wish Pokemon would do the same with their anime series. You know, mm -hmm. you have all the great characters, but it's still uh, Ash. Um, going through the series and then team rocket spoils like an episode uh mm -hmm. and then it's like just repeats uh and so i yeah. think i posted it like a while back like i wish they had a, a mini series on sabrina or a mini series oh, that'd be on, cool. on like brock like taking care of his family and all that like i feel like that it there's like so much potential uh that's untapped uh, 
So, but just don't make it like the Star Wars prequels or the, <laughs> the new. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the one thing I really love about those brands, and I think probably one of the reasons why we really like them, is because they feel so lived in. Those worlds feel so, you know, real. So, I mean, for all the criticisms that we can give the prequels, which I'd probably agree with, yeah. uh, one of the great things that George Lucas did do was really grow that universe. I mean, you could just picture so much within that universe, and it, and especially to with seeing you know the final season of clone wars and you could actually go to um oh my god coruscant and kind of see the underbelly of that like i want to see those other really interesting stories um and and so and so taking that back to pokemon gosh there are so many like trainers that everyone loves like sabrina top one you know giovanni top one misty i mean koga all of them they're so they're they're so interesting and i'm sure that they have uh, really interesting stories to tell because we've we've seen them and we we we've experienced those characters in a lot of different ways. Like, you know, re, you know, many appearances in the shows. We played against them when we were playing the games. We collected the cards. Hmm. Um, I think there's absolutely opportunity. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's just a thought. So if, if Pokemon is listening right now, please, please, for the 25th anniversary, uh, just create another show. Just any of those things, you know? Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that. I, you know what I need to do is, and I, I saved them all to my list. I just haven't watched them yet. Um, but, you know, on Netflix with all the Pokemon anime shows, I just mm. need to watch them. I just, it's been so long. And there's so many that I probably didn't watch yeah. when I was a kid. So I need to, I need to get on it. <laughs> I could say the same just because there's like, I don't know how many episodes. I, I feel like there's over 500 now um more than that uh but yeah it's it's just the from the episodes that i have watched that are like the recent ones it's always the same concept over and over again and mm -hmm. it, it gets kind of stale after a while for for me personally I don't mm -hmm. know for, obviously it's made for children but like to add that more element because uh i feel like a lot of the concepts that that are more uh adultish like brock taking care of all his family members like i feel like definitely feel like kids understand that especially mm -hmm. at, uh, 10 nine years old age mm -hmm. yeah i you know I, I don't i don't think that pokemon slash nintendo would ever do this but i would find it to be really interesting if they made content or like a piece of content, like some kind of show where it was actually geared towards the older audience. I don't oh. want to say adult, you know, because <laughs> like that, that might be too far, too far that way for them. But, you know, just something maybe catered more towards to, um, yeah. that, that, that would be really interesting to see. Well, I doubt that they would do it. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's be real. But, but I don't know. I think it, I think it would be really interesting to see that kind of content just because, yeah. you know, I mean, we're such a big market, <laughs> even yeah. though, you know, like it's I made can, for I children. Can, like, I can already see it like it's a Pokemon Pikachu, uh, Detective Pikachu show, or whatever, but it's like the, like, the, it's really gritty and like mm -hmm. it, it premieres on like Adult Swim or something like that. <laughs> oh, um, that would be so cool. I love mm -hmm. that. Yeah, it would be like a continuation of the show. Ryan Reynolds would be still be Pikachu. Mm -hmm. you know? and, uh, yeah, man, I'm buzzing with ideas right now. You know, I'm not going to lie. I haven't seen Detective Pikachu. 
I haven't. Really? I know. I know. I know. Don't kill me in, in the comments anymore. <laughs> no, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, uh, it, yeah, I, uh, it's it's a great movie. I, I feel, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I enjoyed it when I saw it. You know, I also got the promos. You know, when they. Oh, had nice. Yeah. yeah, I remember seeing the uh, Detective uh, Pikachu uh, promos, the the big, uh, you know, those sealed boxes. I mean, they weren't actually boxes. There was those those big rectangular displays. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember seeing a whole bunch of those at Target. You know, Detective, Detective Pikachu always seemed to me kind of like a silly kid's movie. So in your opinion, it wasn't like a silly little kid's movie. It was still enjoyable for adults? Yeah. Well, uh, I... It was it was odd because I went with a friend and then uh, when we went there's like a bunch of kids watching it and I was like oh well I guess we're the only ones here. Uh-huh. But I mean like I I had uh, you know I played the game when when I was younger and mm-hmm. it was it was like it was just enjoyable like I knew it was for kids and I feel like that um, and it also had its funny parts too but I feel like having that expectation of oh it's you know they probably made this for kids treated as such that made it enjoyable because my expectation you know somebody else will probably say like, oh the plot doesn't make sense oh this doesn't make sense whereas like <laughs> i saw it's like oh it's enjoyment just enjoy it and i, I did right you know? um, it took me mm-hmm. back and, uh i loved how they created this this whole little live action world uh for pokemon which is really 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 clever yeah i think i think the live action part of it is is really interesting i'm curious to see if they'll continue upon that aren't they doing a detective pikachu 2 i am, hope am I... So. I hope so i feel like it's in development but then obviously covid happened so all movies are pushed yeah. back mm-hmm. uh, but yeah i feel like it, they, they should have another live action movie um uh, there's literally you could you could go the sky's the limit for the franchise um, as can be seen from the past 25 years <laughs> but i feel like there's like there's always that that uh that extra step uh, that they can always take which could mm-hmm. edit, uh, even higher mm-hmm. oh for sure for sure no doubt um yeah and and you know as far as so as far as your collection goes, let's go back to your collection because I you have like a lot of really cool shit. <laughs> You've collected a lot of cool stuff throughout yeah. the years. I mean, anyone, everyone. Okay, go follow him and then look at his cards because they're so cool. But, you know, I guess uh, so. So this is up to you how you want to answer this question. Um, either what is your like most valuable card in your collection or your most cherished card? Either one or both if you'd like. Oh my god, this is like the hot seat. Um, mm-hmm. Hot seat. The most cherished card I have. That is tough. I'll circle back to that. Um, dang. I'm trying to look. Which cherish card? Let me see. Uh, I think. I think the most valuable one, and I'll, I'll show it right now. Um, let's see if I have it out on here. The most valuable one I have is, uh, you were talking about the Bandai Cardass. Uh, so this is one that I picked up way back. Um, this is the Charizard, the PSA 10. 
Portuguese. You know? mm, God, um, such a good pickup. Yeah, prism, yeah. The prison photo. Um, mm -hmm. That was funny because when I first found out about the set, um, like I saw the art and I was like, this art is absolutely amazing. And uh, for those of you who are listening, the 1997 uh, Bendai Cardass was a set that was designed exclusively by Ken Sujimori, which is you know, synonymous with Pokemon. Um, he's a brilliant artist. Uh, so there's the PSA. <laughs> I'm sorry, I haven't done this with a camera, but this is the PSA 10 uh, Charizard. Um, and there's about, I think there's the pop hasn't changed. It's 55 in the world. Mm -hmm. um, but I, when I saw this card and I saw that it was available for pickup, I purchased it and then 2020 happened and then it just skyrocketed. So this is probably my most valuable card uh, in my collection to date. Uh, and then probably the most cherished card I have is, huh, I think, I think one that if, mind if I pull it real quick. Of course. Um, where is it? So the most cherished card I have is probably this one. Um, it's not worth much, but I, I still enjoy it. It is the uh, 2001 Tops uh, Ichiro Suzuki card. I don't know if you can see oh, that. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, that's awesome. Card. Um, mm -hmm. And just growing up uh, back when he was playing, like in the early 2000s, um, like, like uh, so I'm Asian American, I identify as Asian American. And so seeing him play baseball in the US was like, like it was, it was insane um, just because like he, some of the skill he had playing for the Mariners and then through the mm -hmm. other teams. So this is probably one of my biggest cherished cards uh, just because of what he did for the sport, what he did for a representation. Uh, and yeah, like even though it's a PSA 7, I don't know if you see it, it's the first one, first rookie card of his that I ever got. Um, it's a beautiful so, card. Yeah, so so yeah, it's uh, it's iconic. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's it, and that lends to back to sort of the, what we had before discussion on, uh, you know, collecting what you want, collecting what you what you appreciate. Um, that will you know bring you more utility in the long run. So, so yeah. Mm -hmm. but yeah, these are just uh, a sum. There's like uh, to the left of me or the right of me. Um, I have like quite a few cards. Uh, so yeah, those are the only ones. Yeah, do you have a full set of the 97 card ass? Uh I do. I do. Um nice, I, nice. Oh. I remember purchasing it back in the day for like $90. Um it was oh like an Atlanta chip Did you see me roll my eyes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean the the art is it's definitely underappreciated, uh especially the promo cards uh where it has like Ash and then his three starters or all that yeah or him back to back with gary um mm -hmm. I, I i wish they created more uh arts similar to that simplistic mm -hmm. yeah it it definitely tells a story i love the ones with Psyduck. Uh, <laughs> i love the snorlax getting his uh dream of chicken eaten by gengar that's probably one of my favorites from the set mm -hmm. but yeah yeah i have a complete set and you and you also have some other uh, Japanese cards that I've actually not really seen. So, um, like, 
I've got your Instagram pulled up. The Moltres for I guess it's I guess you put right here Tops and Hollow set. I've never seen those cards before. Oh, um, uh, did that come out? When did that come out? Let me see. So I'm not the greatest on uh, the history behind Top uh, Top Sun, um, mm -hmm. but I, I I've done like quite a bit of research, and so the Top Sun for those who don't know it it, it comes with a blue back uh blue back with no number uh let's see if i can pull one out i know for press for time um here's one uh i'm actually looking at the sorry if 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 i'm doing this but i was actually looking at the pwcc auction uh just now because they had some top sun cards on there but uh, oh here, yeah uh so this is a blue back gyarados psa 10 um dude so you can see the glare sorry about that but yes, yeah, so it's a blue back because it has a blue back. And so the these were technically the second print. Um, and if you can tell right here, here's the, I can't even do that. The, the, the yeah. So the blue back no numbers were technically the first print. Uh, mm -hmm. the regular blue backs were the second print and then the green backs were the third print. Um, and so they, in the cases or in the packs of these, uh, they also have the hollow cards, which are what I recently discovered were like uh, variations on the hollow prisms. Like there's cracked so dice, cool. there's locked dice. Um, but yeah, like I, I collect these as well. Um, here's mm -hmm. the, I'm terrible at the, putting it on the camera. Uh, there's the Dragonite. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of the art, you can tell it's like vintage Japanese. Um, and yeah, I've I started collecting them just because I, I love the history behind something. Um and these cards have history just because you can only pull them from gum packs um back in Japan when Pokemon was first released or initially released. Um and that was that's actually that was actually a big talking point um I think a month ago because SN Pratt had made a video saying that they were it's unverified that whether or not they were the first cards. Um yeah. and, yeah, and I didn't. I didn't really care, um, just because I I, I like the cards, um, whether or not they're they're the first printing or not. Um, it's just the history behind them. It's like mm -hmm. it reminds me of like the old baseball cards, uh, where you can only get them in gum packs or like the Honus Wagner was like a cigarette cigarettes you can get them out of. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That very first. Uh, what is it? Eighteen? Did it come out? Eighteen eighty five. Alan Ginter, the very first baseball yeah, cards that came up yeah or, or or trading cards yeah do you watch uh, that show loki on disney plus yes <laughs> so yeah. i don't know if you saw that but when he was looking at the uh hopefully i don't give anything away but this probably isn't a major plot point but when he's looking at the infinity stones um oh in the drawer yeah in the drawer it's an easter egg there's an honest wagner card in there and my friend told me about that yesterday i was like I was what? like, what? And it's like, <laughs> yeah, it, it's just, it was hilarious when I, when I saw that. Um, <laughs> because it was like, oh, okay, it's pretty cool. Yeah, that, that, that show is so funny. I, I just caught up uh, over the weekend. I just started watching it on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, God, that show is so hilarious. But I didn't notice that. I didn't notice the Honus Wagner was in there. Crap. Yeah. Jeez, the TVA has got all the valuable shit, you know, <laughs> three soul stones and, 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 you know, 
all that just sitting there in a drawer dang that's awesome <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah uh yeah i'm not the the, the best at the the top sunset in terms of knowing the history behind it um but yeah i just i love i love the history behind uh some of the cards the early japanese cards um, mm -hmm. i really appreciate that uh oh absolutely artwork Mm -hmm. um really this is sort of a random question not really but did you ever buy any of the Strixhaven boxes that, for those alternate Japanese cards that so um I tend to dabble in Magic the Gathering not in playing because I'm definitely not uh as gifted as some of the players out there I, I used to play way back in the day but now they've added all these new mechanics um and as I said before earlier in the podcast, I watch Rudy a lot. He's like uh, one of the best in terms of you could you could pick uh, the pieces you want to listen to from him. But when he did that Strixhaven, he did like a Strixhaven booster box opening. Yeah, and some of the arts are gorgeous. Like I'm really big on aesthetics, um, and so like that's one of the sets that I, I I've wanted to get sort of like some collector booster boxes of. Um, just because they have like gorgeous arts, um, regardless of the value, um, and that that's a big thing uh, that I, I tend to do. Like I'll, I'll go to a local card shop in the Bay Area, and I'll just go to like the singles bin, and then I'll just pick out uh, MTG commons that I like the art for, uh, mm -hmm. not knowing whether or not they're rare, rare or not, or just spec. Um, just because it's like it's it's cool to just get the artwork of of. Uh, of MTG, but Strixhaven, it's definitely one of those. And uh, I think Modern Horizons had some cards. That was a, a recent set that came out. Oh, Modern Horizon Two, is yeah, that? Modern Horizon mm -hmm. Two, and then um, is it VIP? VIP, uh, the VIP box, Ultimate Masters. Yeah, uh, yeah, it, those were, it those might have been. Yeah, I, I haven't been able to pick up any of those collector boxes for any of those sets. Yeah. It's been so hard. I, I'm I'm a I'm a patron on Rudy and when that when that when Strixhaven came, when Modern Horizons two came, shit left. Like <laughs> did not have a chance at all. I was able to pick up some some boxes and some packs at Target. Yeah. Thank God. Like I, I have a few here or there. And yeah. you know, nothing nothing crazy, but I do eventually want to open them up because I wanna see what cool alternate art I'll get. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I love love some of the arts that are uh, being done in Mag Magic the Gathering. Yeah, um, it's I feel like the the artwork on those cards is probably better, one of the the best in any type of TCG or CCG. Um, I'm probably gonna get like a bunch of hate mail, like, hey, what what about this? <laughs> um, but yeah, like hands down, MTG art. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's, it's very cool. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. There's there's so they they did a lot of interesting stuff. I mean, back in the day there were some questionable things. Um yeah. you know, I don't know if there's been any controversy with, with cards in recent sets, but yeah, the artistry has always been top notch. I mean I mean, even the dual lands or you know, the, the special lands the vintage ones and then the more recent ones so interesting so very cool um it, it it's so easy to appreciate that brings up another point because like um this is one other idea i had was 
you know, the energies in Pokemon mm-hmm. have been the same since the beginning of Pokemon. I get there is like there are a few energies where I guess there's like a silhouette of like a Pokemon. Like there's that uh, I think what oh. I saw was Poho was like flying in the background and it was like a fire energy or something. Mm-hmm. The energies in Pokemon need to change just because it's literally the same. And I feel like there's so much potential because they could literally have like, um, <laughs> here's one idea I had was uh, instead of just the regular water energy symbol, it's like the squirrel squad is like shooting water. <laughs> like putting out a fire. Oh, that'd be cute. That'd like, be cute. And, like you could have something from there. Um, mm-hmm. like, I, and like the, the gold energies or the, the hollow energies, the secret rare energies, those are pretty cool. But having some type of art, similar to how Magic Gathering does it for lands, like even mm-hmm. the lands are beautiful in Magic the Gathering. Yeah, like like just something a little bit more. Because I, I did see, and you know, it was my first exposure to it, so I don't know what sets those like gold energies came up. But, but I did see yeah. that Chilling Rain had some, uh, you know, their yeah. energies were a little bit different, which is cool. But but I, they, they could do more. They, they, they could be more creative. I agree yeah. with you on that. Um. But yeah, the, yeah, the the art. I mean, I mean, they've done well with the alternate alternate arts uh, in Chilling Rain. Um, but yeah, like it, uh, I'm a I'm a big fan of art, and MTG definitely takes the cake. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. No doubt. I mean, like like I said before, even though I don't really collect the modern cards, uh, these newer gens, I don't really do that. But I mean, I can't. I don't have anything bad to say when it comes to how they're designed. You know, the full arts are so cool. Um, I mean, the Moltres from the um, from Chilling Rains is so yes. cool. Yes. Um, and 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 what's you know, I don't know if this is crazy hot take or not, but honestly, I actually prefer the Japanese version. Something about that card looks just it hits different when you mm. see the Japanese version versus the the English version. But even still, the designs are so great. I mean. You know, the the Moltres is a card that sticks out to me, A, because of the because of the design, but B because, you know, I know I know Moltres, like that's a great card. Like I have the the you know, the card S card, you know, from nineteen ninety seven. But um but you know, the other one's not so I, I'm not super, you know, familiar with, but I mean, like as a full art actually hold up, am I reading this wrong? Galarian Moltres. Um so are these like combos of Pokemon? Because I'm seeing Galarian Articuno. I don't know what Galarian means. I, it, well, it's going to sound silly. The region. Um, oh, okay. The regional variant, similar to how they mm. have. Uh, I'm trying to think, but like the Alolan Volpex. Uh, so, oh, okay. So yeah, I mean, um, all those alternate art cards. It's it's so funny how, like. Uh, People were hyped up when Chilling Rain was announced, and then they saw the cards released, and so everybody like scampered, and now it just sits on a shelf. Everybody is focused on Evolving Skies, mm-hmm. and then they're trying to get their pre-orders in, and then Celebrations was just announced, so it's just like that information overload, or mm-hmm. I guess the Pokemon set overload. But mm-hmm. yeah, I I definitely love the the arts for uh for uh, Chilling Rain the alternate arts. Um, I don't pull as many packs or open as many packs anymore just because of how expensive it's gotten. Um, I usually focus on singles and then try to strike at the at the right time and, and price. Um, but uh, but yeah, that th- those three bird cards are definitely on my mind, especially the Galarian Zapdos. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that the Roadrunner effect was was 
uh, absolutely beautiful to that. Oh yeah, um, I, I agree with you on that uh, 100%. Th those look very cool. I, I feel and, so uh, silly about the Galarian one. fact, but. The gold Snorlax, that's that's the, the biggest one. Mm -hmm. It looks so cute. <laughs> it's such a cute card. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it reminds me of the video game when you have to, you know, use the flute to wake up. Relax. <laughs> yeah, that took me like a, when I was younger, it took me like a week to figure that out. I have to get the flute. There's no like internet or whatever. My friend told me, yeah, you get the flute. Then you get the flute. It's like, oh, okay. oh, come Oh. I, you know, I know they don't sell them anymore, but back in the day, you know, in order to progress in a game that you've, you know, been stuck at, you have to spend $30 on the guide. Yeah, the, the Prima <laughs> Strategy Guide. Yeah. And then, and then the, uh, what was it, GameSpot and those other websites started coming out with uh, walkthroughs, you know, when, when we started to have internet. God, man, we're just aging ourselves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the next episode will be how old is uh, Ned Scotch Tape. Um, <laughs> no, no, but uh, uh, it was funny because when I was uh, helping my, my parents move, I actually found like a box of old magazines. And it, oh. it was Electronic Gaming Monthly, Tips and Tricks. Uh, mm -hmm. And it was like, oh, this is the cheat code in Sonic uh, for Sega Genesis and all mm -hmm. that. And then um, so there was actually an ad for like uh, Pokemon cards from Japan. And there was like um, Sabrina's gym deck in Japanese. Ooh. It was like for mm. $19.99. Yeah, it was it was crazy. Like they said, booster packs are like two dollars ninety nine cents a piece, and then you have to like cut out the thing and then pay for shipping. And mm -hmm. all uh, it's like mail order. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, uh, Gosh. It's crazy. Yeah, you know, I I know that he went through some di difficulties, but um, I'm curious to see if Leon Hart uh, goes through with that project where. Um, you can buy he's going to make available where you can buy i don't know if it's unlimited or going to be first edition but a base set pack at for the original price of 299 i, I um, saw that did that ever I, I i heard that there is some issues with that but the, what what ended up happening with that i don't know i haven't seen anything other than the last the most recent update where he was you know running into some difficulties so yeah. i mean if he's able to do that that's really cool yeah. Um, I don't, I don't really have that many base set packs. I only have one, um, shadow list. So adding another one to the collection would be really cool actually. But yeah. even if it is unlimited, um, yeah, I could definitely see how that could, um, end up being sort of, uh, taken advantage of, um, but, and also the logistics of the, like, how do you make sure everybody gets a fair share, true co like collectors are able to get the pack and all that. Um, cause mm -hmm. there's like, like I'll be honest, there's like a lot of gaming uh, within the system of, of the, the modern hobby in 2020. So yeah, I yeah. Much on on it uh, recently. Mm -hmm. I know too. Um, I you know, I, and I haven't seen any updates for this either. But his set auctioning platform, Rare Candy. I don't know if you're familiar with it. He was supposed know. to come out with that as well. Um. So it's like an auction platform. Like I I want to say that's what it was. I'm pretty sure it was a selling platform. Um, I don't know how similar it is to whatnot, 
Um, I haven't used whatnot. I, I've seen a little bit of those streams, but not quite. I mean, I haven't really immersed myself into the platform yet, but um, you know, like I heard of Rare Candy before I heard of whatnot because all of a sudden whatnot just, you know, popped up on the scene yeah. uh, one day and, and I was seeing influencers promote it, but um, it'll be really interesting to see like what new tech related stuff starts to come out now yeah. that i mean you know like pokemon is i mean it's always been here to stay but now people in sort of the mainstream are kind of taking it seriously i mean because there's been a ton of collectors that have taken it seriously from an investment perspective so it'll be really interesting to see what else pops up um to kind of compete with what's already existing yeah, I know. I, I've definitely heard of Whatnots uh, from my understanding. I've, I haven't used it personally, um, but I've seen a lot, a lot of people I follow who, who do um, mm -hmm. openings or packing openings on it. And I feel like it's sort of like a streaming service similar to Twitch in which you're able to mm -hmm. um, sort of run these sales or raffles or, or I don't know if you can use the word raffle anymore. Um, <laughs> Um, that's but, true waffles <laughs> waffles uh, or razzes as, as razzes they're, yeah as they're called professionally um yeah I, i'm not sure on the future of what in technology i know there uh there's like sports card investor he had that market movers or like mm -hmm. tracks like uh sales card ladder company. yeah um, i feel like it's not really a, a new app but I feel like there should be improvements to current things. Like, uh, say, for example, eBay. Like, not um, not allowing, like, your... If it's an item that's going to be bidded on, not allowing, like, uh, the name or the username to be private. Like, that's one thing. For transparency. Mm -hmm. uh, to prevent, like, shale bidding uh, and all that. Um, that's, that's one improvement I could think of off the top of my head. So... Mm -hmm. But in terms of like mass, uh, mass improvements or mass technology changes, uh, I, I really can't think of anything, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. Sports card investor has been around for a while. I don't know if it's been a few years or not. Um, you know, that's obviously sports focused. Um, and then you know, there's card ladder is the next one that I can think of because they do sports of course, but they also have some Pokemon cards uh, that, that they're, that they're <clears throat> uh, charting with and whatnot. So I could see them easily getting into the Pokemon market, um, you know, just because they already have the infrastructure. Um, I know for myself, cause like in my day to day, I'm actually a dev. So I'm building my own version specifically for Pokemon. Um, so I, I, yeah. I, I listened to your, uh, one of your podcasts recently, and uh, you ha you're developing a, uh, is it an app, right? Or mm -hmm. uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm calling it Cardfolio, um, and it's going to do something similar. So, you know, be able to, to uh, manage a virtual binder of your cards. You can set goals on, for example, create a wish list, really. These mm -hmm. are the cards that I want. This is how much approximately all those cards are going for right now in the market. So this is at this moment in time, how much it would take to, you know, complete those goals and then being able to um, view it 
in in a, in a portfolio type way. Mm. So being able to see the different types and how much um, exposure you have, like in sealed versus raw cards versus yeah. slabs, all that oh, stuff. Yeah. yeah, that's that's a big one. I, I feel like um, having something like that would be important, just because uh, I don't feel like too many people keep track of their their collections in like Excel, and so they'll be like, oh, I have this. Oh, but I have this. But to be able to see it where you can see the big picture of it, mm -hmm. that's, uh, that's definitely important uh, in the mm -hmm. long run uh, if you intend to stay in collecting in the long run too. Yeah, I, I agree. I think there's value in it. And I mean, you know, um, what's actually kind of funny is when I was doing some initial research, um, I was, I put out surveys, uh, for my Instagram followers. Um, and I noticed it, what's funny is I noticed, uh, when it comes to listeners to the podcast, um, a lot of them tend to be either some kind of dev, some kind of data or some kind of finance, yeah. you know, in those kinds of sectors and like 90 to 95% of them had some form of Excel sheet. So I'm like, oh, dang, I'm not the only one that actually does that. Yeah. Um, you know, because it's hard to keep that up to date, which is part of the reason why I wanted to build this because I mean, really, I was doing it for myself. You know, something that I wouldn't have to go in and manually update and whatnot. So so it, it's, it's really kind of selfish because it started with me. Um, but but it's been really interesting to see the excitement around it because a lot of other people want the convenience that it can offer as well, which is, which is really nice. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know if, uh, if this has been implemented in your app, but like, um, you know how there's like the QR code at the back of like the, the slide, mm -hmm. whatever. I don't know if BGS doesn't do it, but no CGS, CGC does, but I don't know if there's a way where, um, or if the the interface on your app, if people have to type in or like enter the information, if they just take a picture of it, and mm -hmm. then it's added to their collection, it's probably already done, right? So, so um, the like my very first versions of it won't have that functionality. It'll be more of like a like a like a a table of like a like let's say you're looking at a set page yeah. um you can click add buttons to make it easy to to add items but it will it will be able to at some point uh once it's released uh be able to actually scan an item and be able to kind of see that because that, that was one of the things that i was thinking of because i have a i don't have a huge collection but i have a big enough of a one to where that process can be very very manually taxing so yeah um in later iterations probably for an actual release um that that will be the functionality so it'll be cool it'll be it'll be very cool i i, I don't i haven't thought about the the q the qr codes um but um right now i'm trying to figure out the face of it um so just being able to look at the front of a card and then having enough information from that scan to you know categorize it so yeah, that that um yeah, I look forward to it. Probably I'll probably be implemented in Cardfolio version three, version four. <laughs> um, it'll it'll be down the line, but it'll be good. It'll be good. It'll be fun. Yeah, that, um, yeah, that's that's a big thing too, though. Like, um, I could I, I could definitely see the importance of it, just because you know you have to keep track of how much you spend, especially in today's hobby. That's uh that's probably one of the biggest things. One of the biggest yeah. Things. 
no, I completely agree. And I mean, because of the initial data that's being collected, so your binder, how much it costs you to acquire the item, and then the sales information on the back end of the item, all of that information, there is so much you can do with that. You know, there's, I mean, obviously in the investment side of it. So being able to manage it like an actual investment portfolio, being able to see all that data, see where your growth is, see where you're overexposed, um, see where you may want to grow intentionally, you know, from maybe a spec perspective, you know, what were your top movers? What were your top losers? Things like that. Um, Are you able to compare it to like, um, like sales on eBay or sales like uh, from another marketplace? Um, so you can yeah. see where your cards compare, where your collectible items compare. Yeah. So the goal is to have eBay data. That 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 will be kind of like the first iteration is to have eBay data. But the goal is to aggregate as much market data as I can from other marketplaces as well. So uh, collectors.com, I think, is one. You know, of course, eBay. Uh, of course, uh, you know, other just other sales apps. Even um, looking for video games to use a uh, pricechart.com. Um, so that, that could be one. Pricechart.com. Um, I've been I've been trying to keep an eye on. Um, That's another thing for video games. I don't know if I touched upon that. No, I I feel like I might have heard it, but it's been a long time since I've probably spoken to anyone about it. So to be honest, I forgot. <laughs> no, no, no. About it completely. But um, but yeah. So price chart uh, is what you use for pricing video games. Yeah. Um. They gather the sales data of uh. Let me look it up on my phone. They gather sales data of uh video games. Mm-hmm. Pricecharting.com. That's that's the name. So it's like current and historic prices for every video game. Um, so when I'm trying to like purchase uh, a, like a sealed video game, I want to make sure that you know I have a correct valuation of it, and then uh, like either buy the game at that price or or uh, make an offer for it if I feel like it's it's overpriced. Interesting. Um, yeah. yeah. But yeah, something like Cardfolio, like if you have like price history of items, that's most key because like a lot of people they they tend to overpay um without checking like sold listings in the past or um trying to figure out whether or not a, a sale is legitimate so mm-hmm. it's yeah more information with quality in it it's key uh, to any collector yeah i i definitely agree with you um and and my kind of my my whole deal is is uh, the data piece of it honestly and i've talked about this in other podcasts you know the data piece of it is going to be tough because you know um i'm not going to be able to validate shill bidding yeah yeah. Yeah. i'm not going to be able to do that um so so that will kind of throw the data off um data where like they they did they didn't pay for the item yeah yeah exactly like like an actual completed successful listing that someone paid for you know that stuff that stuff is going to be hard to kind of uh weed out so there's going to be a degree of inaccuracy so so what i'm trying to do is develop models uh data models where i can actually get it as accurate as I can. And it'll take a lot of time. Uh, it'll take a lot of work, but I feel like if I have it by, you know, the 30th anniversary, like 
I mean, I'll definitely have an app by then. Yeah, I will definitely have something out by then. It will not take me five years to develop this. But I mean, to iterate on and really perfect will take a few years. Uh, so, so I'm hoping, you know, as long as I can get that really perfected and down by the 30th anniversary, I think I'll be good. <laughs> no, that, that's that's definitely key. Like, like all great things, they they definitely come with time. Whether it's a collection or whether it, like it's an app. Um, you have to think of it in, in the long term because uh, you could end up like, like uh, you know, like here's another analogy, like, uh, <laughs> like collecting, is, is collecting and also like building something like an app. Um, it's definitely like a marathon, uh, mm-hmm. much of a sprint, you know, and, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's great. I, I've, I've noticed like quite a few like technology pieces come up in the, in the collectibles within the past year. Um, so I'm looking forward to to seeing more of of this app in terms of Cartfolio. Um, yeah. I feel like it, it like like if with the amount of investors or uh, investor collectors out there, like I definitely feel like they they gravitate towards that, um, and they'd find like a use for it. I I really think they do. Um, I, I I really think I really think that's the case. Um, and and what's nice is that there's enough features to kind of satisfy a lot of different users, um, who who are really similar. Um, and in the tools that they need are really similar. So I think it'll really work out. Uh, I, I'm I'm really excited for it. I also have another project that I haven't publicly talked about because I want to keep it real close to the chest. But you know, I've got I've got a lot of things working in the background, which which are really fun. Um, it, it's really fun. I, I like building things. So so more info to come soon, of course. But you know, yeah. Yeah. looking forward to it though. For sure, for sure. So am I. So am I. So. Um, but anyways, you know, I want to be respectful of your time because we've been on for about an hour and 30 so far. So I know like time just kind of flew. Um, so, so I want everyone to, uh, if you could let everyone know where they can find you on the internet. Um, so, um, uh, I basically have an IG, um, Instagram, uh, it's no scotch tape, all one word. Um, and yes, it's exactly what it means, uh, I don't want any scotch tape near my collectibles, um, uh, comics and cards, especially. Uh, and yeah, I, I post there almost every other day. And then uh, I also have a YouTube channel, which I haven't posted for the day life for me in a while. Um, just been pretty busy with stuff, um, but I'm pretty responsive to stuff. Um, I love uh, collectibles as I talk about this podcast. And uh, I always like to learn about the hobby. Um, and yeah, just find me on there, and um, I post most of my collection and, and offer tips to anyone who asks for it. Cool, awesome! Thank you so much. Go follow him, y'all. And um, I just want to say thank you so much for for coming on. I mean, I think this is really great. It was really nice to get your perspective. So yeah, maybe yeah. we can do a part two. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely down. And uh, thank you for having me. Um, yeah, I was a big fan. Uh, so being able to come to your show or or go on to your show. Uh, it's not like you have a studio or like a game. Um, but, uh, but yeah, being able to, to be on this, I, I really do appreciate it. It's always great to talk to other fellow lobbyists. Uh, yeah, definitely. Feel free to let me know if you're having that again. Yeah, yeah, of course. We'll do.